On episode 60, Dr. Robin Magalit Rodriguez returns to the show to check in a year after leaving academia and starting a farm. We talk about retirement from academia, what it means to start and maintain a farm, a commitment to nurturing community, and of course the question, are you Filipino enough? If this is the first time meeting Dr. Rodriguez, you're in for a treat and some good old-fashioned healing of the heart, mind, and soul. Thanks for being here. Grab a beverage, pull up a chair, and enjoy listening to my conversation with Dr. Robin Magalit Rodriguez. My name is Bruce Reyes Chow, and this is BRC and Friends. Each episode, my co-host and I chat with activists, artists, academics, and adventurers to discuss politics, faith, pop culture, technology, and as you will discover, pretty much everything that pops into our heads. This is basically an excuse for us to hang out with friends and colleagues and riff about things that matter. Welcome to BRC and Friends. All right, I'm joined again uh, this year. It's been a year since uh, Dr. Robin Magalit Rodriguez has been on the show, so very excited to have uh are on today. And so uh, we're just going to jump right in. Uh, for those of you that didn't wa- listen to the episode last year, please do. It's excellent, uh, as all of the episodes are excellent. But uh, we are really excited to have you on, Dr. Robin. So uh, could you just, uh, for the folks who don't know you, introduce yourself, kind of give your context, pronouns, where you are, and all those kinds of things. Sure, sure. Thank you. And thank you again for bringing me back. I'm so excited to be here. Um, it's kind of hard to actually answer the question of, or, or actually introduce myself because I feel like I'm in such a <laughs> position. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think most people know me as Dr. Robin Rodriguez. Um, I'm currently Professor Emeritus of Asian oh. American Studies at UC Davis, which basically means I am a retired professor. So I did retire quite early. I'm not um close to retirement age. Right. Like, I think I'm not close do you, to retirement do you age. Get something spe- do you get something special with emeritus? Do you like keep no, get to not, keep keys? No, not from that institution. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's true. I pretty much like it was like, bye. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. So, um, but, you know, I'll use the professor emeritus because it sounds fancy. And, that's you right. Know, I, earned, access someplace. I earned this uh, title. So, darn, yes, darn right. Most folks do know me um, in my role as a university professor. Um, one of the major things that I'm very proud to have accomplished is I built the Bolosan Center for Filipino or Philippinex Studies from the ground up um, in 2018. Uh, and we're actually kind of closing it out and transitioning it out of the university uh, with mm-hmm. my exit because a part of what prompted the retirement was, in fact, a lot of my frustration with the failure of investment in Filipino, Filipinex studies by um, the university and academia more broadly. Uh, I'm also very much a community organizer. I've been doing lots and lots of work in the Filipino community as an advocate. And one of the roles I'm playing right now is I'm a president for the Filipino American Educators Association of California. But I'm in transition. Yes. I have uh, created uh, a new community-based organization in my late son's name, the Amato Kaya Initiative, which is running lots of great programming and will house uh, the what programs we had with the Blue Sun Center. And I'm also actually a farmer. Yes. Brand new to farming. I grew up in the East Bay in Union City, California, when it was no longer farmland. It was pretty much just you know, an ethnic suburb with lots and lots of Filipinos. Um, but I didn't grow up farming. But 
made a pretty radical decision to completely um, cultivate a new kind of relationship with the land. Uh, and so, you know, everything else followed. So that's where I am now. Some people like to call me, uh, what do they call me? Dr. Mama Adder. <laughs> all the all the honorifics. Well, I was like, I don't know where we are in age. Like how, I don't like, I, I'll just use doctor. Cause I, you know, you know, it's always that where it's like, where do you, which, which honorifics do you use? I don't know. Like, well, I, I, I turned 50. So what's that okay. to you? We're, we're close. So you're, you're young, you're younger than me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been, I've been more meetings now where I'm the oldest person and I, and there's times where I like use honorifics, whatever, but I'll be in some meetings. I'm like, Oh, I, I realize you did not use my, you know, because you're using it with other people. Because I think folks like don't know where I am in the in yeah. the age structure. And I always tease people afterwards. I'm like, uh, yeah, let's just want to let you know. <laughs> They're like, okay, sorry. I know, and at least it's Kuya, you know, because now it's also like, auntie. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I got called it uh, by somebody like my. They said Bruce is like my punk older brother. I'm like, I'll take older brother rather than like <laughs> great uncle. Like he's. Like, <laughs> Like, okay, I'll take that. Uh, and you also, I, I, I want to do talk about academics in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you, you're also known as kind. Of, you were, you use the phrase "people's professor," right? You yeah. use so. Can you explain that a little bit? What What does that mean to you, as opposed to just being an academic with the PhD and all that? What does it mean sure. to be a people's professor? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I think I've always been a people's professor, but it was sort of part time, meaning that I never thought of myself as. Or, or my ambition was never to get a PhD and become a university professor just so I can write for other right. professors or right. teach uh, just to the the students in my classroom. I never, never imagined that that was going to be my life, and it it wasn't. So as much as I was doing all the work that you know is expected of me as a university professor, I was always doing work in the community, providing workshops lectures, oftentimes uncompensated. I've had to change yep. that a bit because, you know, mm -hmm. I, I put a lot of volunteer work into the community for, you know, over three decades. I think it's yeah. okay to get compensated a little bit. But anyhow, I did yeah. a lot of that work, you know. I mean, Phil Lamb History Month to this day is stacked, you know, and this has been my reality for most of my life because it matters to me. Even building the Belusan Center, I never got paid for the most part, for doing that work, it was a labor of love. And so I think, you know, the pandemic and, and loss really had me take a pause uh, to think about whether it made sense to be part-time people's professor and full-time university mm. professor and whether my heart is really about being a people's professor full-time. That's all I really care about. Yeah. I only really care about... Um, you know, my community and people who are uh, drawn to a form of knowledge that isn't, you know, ordinarily available. I want to make that available. So, yeah, that's been a really big part of who who I am, for sure. Yeah, that's great. I, I ask it so much of a kind of a selfish reason. I have two, I have three children, but two of them, one is working on their PhD application right now for the fall. The other one is a junior in college and also wants to do their PhD. And they're doing ethics studies, American studies, poli-sci. And, you know, they, they never listen to anything that I do, of course, because they're my kids. But I'm like, listen to the episode with Robin Rodriguez. You got to listen to it because you talked about 
academic world and all that. And they come out of, you know, they're doing all the things. And I think they are struggling with their mentors saying, yeah, this is terrible to work in an institution. It's also amazing and wonderful, but it's also, and they want to kind of, they're, sure. you know, they're both huge activists and, but are drawn to that di- deeper diving in of, yeah. uh, of stuff. And so like, what do you, what do you tell like young people now or whoever's looking at PhD work? I'm, I want to, I, I think I want to go and pursue my PhD. Uh, and this is not where I was thinking the podcast would go, but well, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So, yeah. So what, when you, when people ask you, I, I asked Kevin at all the same question as, as an academic, as we would consider kind of a people's professor as well. Um, what do you say to those young folks who come to you and say, I'm thinking about a PhD? Like, how do you help them navigate that? Sure, sure. Well, first off, have them reach out, especially if things about what I'd said kind of resonate. I think it starts first with what what is the vision? What vision do you have for yourself? Um, are you going into this work because you have a deep desire to tell our community stories? Mm. Now, if that is the desire, the institution does not encourage people to go in with that sort of desire. Now, you either just recognize that that is the dynamic and you cultivate all sorts of strategies so that you can continue to keep rooted in the thing. You know, you asked kind of earlier um, before we hopped on, like yeah. that you might ask me about, you know, what gives you joy it's a question that we all have to ask. And I think it's really something important for them to consider. Um, if the thing that gives them joy and excitement is I get to tell my, my community stories, mm-hmm. know that this is a, that the, the university is not an institution that is about fostering people with a passion for their people's stories, yeah. right? Yeah. What they want is people who are going to contribute to this, you know, this body of expert knowledge. Now, you either go in recognizing there's this dynamic, but your joy is something else, and find ways to kind of inhabit the complexity of that um, experience, or maybe there are other pathways to pursue, right? Now, there may also be that your joy is to do that. You do want to do the work of being engaged with other scholars, because that just is a thing that drives you. And, you know, it's not like it doesn't still excite me. I'm so glad. I love to dive deep in big theory and like get lost in it. And I'm, you know, I'm an air sign. I don't know. I guess that's why. But yes, <laughs> I get it. I get it. But, you know, for me, it was never fully satisfactory. Um, I still wanted to live in this, in the world and right. be able to kind of engage um, with the community because at the, at the end of it, the day, that's what I, that mattered to me. It's always mattered that, you know, are we collecting our community stories are we sharing them not to other academics, but to the people it matters, like my community? So it's just it's it's a hard question, and it's not easy um, to to navigate because. And this is why I would encourage them: whatever they decide, if they decide to take the path, make sure to be part of a community. What you know, stay rooted, you know, with your home community wherever you define that. Create a collective or a community in the space of academia. Because you can and you will get sucked in. Believe me, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm also a sociologist yeah. by training. You know, when you are socialized over many years in a particular kind of way, that becomes your new normal. Yeah. And so I think part of what allowed me to keep 
this identity as people's professor and not just as an identity, but to actually be it is because I constantly maintained a real deep rootedness in various collectives and communities so that my norm was never their norm ever. Right. Right. It was always uncomfortable. I mean, something that, you know, I've said before is that, you know, I used to suffer from imposter syndrome until I realized, you know what? Mm. That's okay. Yeah. I'm just flying on y'all and taking what I need from my community. I will never want to be comfortable here. And, right. you know, that's my own aspiration. But again, you know, I'm totally supportive of folks who have different aspirations. Just be honest with yourself and understand what what you're up against. So I don't discourage folks from pursuing that path, but I do ask people the hard question so they understand like what they're getting into, you know? Well, it seems to be a common thing. I mean, this is like any advanced degrees. Like if, if it doesn't bring you some kind of joy at some level, you're not going to make it anyway, or you're, you're going to die going through it. I mean, it just feels like a PhD or whatever you're doing. Don't just do it for the letters. Either, yeah, you know, so. when you're not doing it for the money, clearly, because yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. But what, what all, the, all their mentors after they said it's terrible and wonderful, and you know, yes, we encourage you to do it, all that they're also like, follow the money. Like, if somebody's gonna pay you to do the degree, and like you have somebody to study with, and all the things that would be you know, like, don't go into huge debt to get your PhD. And I'm like, we're like, yeah, we think that's a a fine idea. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see where they end up. I'm, you know, they're now at that level where they're they're doing stuff that, like, I understand the words separately. But when they start putting them all together, like, I, yeah, help 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 me out a little bit. Uh, but no, that's that's lovely. Thank you so much. Tell me. Yeah. So I want to make sure. Tell me about the farm. So yeah. you the last time I think you were just get starting to get over there. Like you hadn't actually launched it, and then. I remember by the summer you already had program. I was like, of course, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh uh, so yeah, we have been officially living on our land, um, pretending to our land, uh, for just about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And mind you, you know, I did grow up in Union City, California. <laughs> we're then, you know. Um, and so you know, apart from, you know, a little tiny garden in the backyard that my grandma sometimes, um, you know, maintained. Certainly my parents did not have the time to maintain. That was about it, you know, and maybe house plants. Um, and so, you know, I took a little bit of pride for being able to maintain house plants and, you know, <laughs> have a few vegetables where I could get like at least one tomato, you know? Right. So it had that, but it wasn't like a, a, the center of my life in the way that it has become. But yeah, it's just been over a year and a half, and wow! I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot, and we have just had the absolute most bountiful harvest. Like I had no clue that I could do it. You know, I mean, I had very low expectations. It was just right. kind of like, okay, land, ancestors, you know, spirit, right. creator. I'm just gonna. <laughs> Just leave it to you to teach me. I'm going to watch and learn and do what I can and, you know, just approach this um, with that kind of framework. So set the bar low. And because of that, it's like I've got all these, like, plants growing into each other because I didn't know, like, a tomato plant could grow that big because, you know, my tomato plant, if, like, I got one, I was happy. I've learned 
Garmasin. Oops, I think that was a sound. Sorry. You're good. You're good. Keep it. <laughs> so then, uh, so I've been literally harvesting wheelbarrows full wow. of tomatoes, and I've got these big old, huge, you know, in Filipino, ubo. Um, I guess mm -hmm. they're called bottle gourd. Um, I've got eggplants just popping up left and right, and okra and melons and. I mean, it's it's incredible. Uh, I've just been so humbled, and um, I just feel so blessed that um, I've been so supported in this journey. I think on a deep level, spiritually, and also from the community. You know, uh, so many people have come, and I think that's also really um, given me a lot of encouragement because it's it's not easy. It's really not easy. This is an absolutely new shift for us and we live in a in a relatively yeah i mean not relatively like really we live in like this rural small town um and it can feel a little bit uh daunting and and then we'll get just these visitors who are just so inspired by what we're doing who um are shifting beginning to to, to shift how they're thinking about their own relationship to the land and uh it's been beautiful and I love it. You know, we just mm. hosted a little group of college students from UC Berkeley who are connected with an Asian American student um, uh, program there. And it was amazing. I just felt like now this is my classroom. Right. This feels exactly right. This is where I want to talk about Asian American history, Filipino American history this is where it happens, you know, um, to kind of be out here. And it was beautiful. I spent half a day with these young people, but you could tell that half day experience together uh, is, will, will have an impact that I'm not sure 10 weeks of a quarter in, you know, while teaching at UC Davis will make. Yeah. And what yeah. a difference. And so it's been, it's been amazing. So, you know, I'm learning how to can, I'm learning not yam. I like I'm not, yeah. you know, I did very grow up to to parents who, you know, are like baby boomers and grew up with all of the scarcity kind of framework right. around the war. So I'm not wasting, you know. Right. <laughs> awesome. I mean, so I'm looking stuff up because I'm like, this is not going to waste. We're gonna save the seeds <laughs> and then if we can't we're gonna that, plant it, pickle it, jam it, do something. <laughs> Yeah, so I learned all of that literally in the last like three to four weeks. So, so what's your, what's your? Uh, I mean, this is. I mean, it is an amazing story. I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna book you every year because I think if, like, we're just gonna. And then you can look back in ten years and be like, hey, you know, well, at, for ten years here, at one point you're be like, I know how to do this now. Like you're at one point it'll be like, I I master this particular thing. But yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of people, fortunately, that are really trying to hold like recapture some land connection uh it's, it's certainly in some communities uh, but none of us are probably like we're gonna go and do it i mean you this is a huge move that you did and it i love uh, so i've taken a little shift from in my professional career and folks are like i reti retired now and i'm like no 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 all my energy is going down to stuff that i really love doing yeah. and it sounds like like you know you've retired technically but now you're like when I saw stuff pop up about hosting things during the summer and all these other things coming up, I was like, yeah, this is where like there's like the life and thriving going on. So it sounds like 
that's what's going on. But I want to ask, what's your biggest, if you could think of or any, like you, you did something and you're like, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. And now I'm like plants growing into each other because, oh, well, you know, you just plant them five inches apart, right? Because that's how big zucchini, zucchinis I, are. Well, <laughs> yes, that was the biggest thing, you know, because really I had no idea. You know, you read those seed packets and you kind of like, <laughs> you're like, nah. <laughs> yeah, you don't believe it. Come on, you know? And so it's like, it's like, it's so much. Like I'm tripping over, you know, whoop one, like, ding. I don't want to waste it. It looks so great. You know, that's like how many pots of tinola right there. Do you right. know what I mean? So um, that was definitely learning. I mean, even we didn't build trellises because, again, I'm like, why am I going to build a trellis to hold like a tomato plant? Like, oh, oh, interesting. And, they, and they, so they just grow flat then, right? Or they just start? Yeah. So they're kind of just <laughs> like a big old bush. And, you know, okra, like, I didn't know okra grew like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got excited. I, I have no, I mean, I like okra, but how does it, is it a vine? Is it a no, bush? No, what is it? Plant and it it's a plant that it it come. you know, you see these pretty yellow and purple flowers and you're like, oh, wait, wait, that's okra? Oh, <laughs> you know, like, it's amazing. So that was a big thing that we learned. Um I mean, one of the big things that we continue to be challenged by, and my husband is amazing, like, wow, engineer, you know, YouTube engineer, YouTube. Oh, yeah. But basically, he had to figure out how to redirect water. Um, oh. We are on a well, a well system, but to redirect water to get it to our fields. So there was a lot of trial error, like trenching pipes and all that. And, you know, we're really trying to be water wise and, and, and really conserve water. Uh, so, you know, we had to install like a drip system, which basically really targets the plant um, directly. And so, you know, there's all these things we had to learn. It was it was not easy. I think one of the things that we learned early on, which I'm glad we did, which was that to, to, to stop thinking that we had to get the property ready before mm. we could engage the community. I right. think at some point it was like, you know what? The whole vision here was to engage and invite our community. Let's just go. You know, yeah, this yeah. is more than enough. Let's open up the space. Let folks come and watch a process as it shifts and changes and evolves and 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 and, and, and invite even help, you know. And yeah. that's also shifted a lot because there is so much love and support out there. We, I think we are tapping into a deep longing in um, our communities, a longing that I think we may not have realized was there. I think that the pandemic was among the things that might have like really brought that longing into more awareness for us. I think, um, you know, certainly climate change is inviting us to really, really wonder about what is our relationship to this earth. And we wonder about it. We, we sometimes feel debilitated by um, what we can do about it. And I think that Something about our little experiment gives people a sense of hope that we can shift things. And yeah, a family that had no idea um, and really was operating really through deep faith, frankly, faith yeah. in our ancestors and the creator, faith in the ancestors of the land who, you know, ancestors who attended it for years, faith in our community. And definitely faith in ourselves as a unit. And so 
I think that's part of the story too. And wow, like it's just, I, I, I'm still floored by it all. You know, like I think like yesterday I was like, I was making jam, you know, I was like, wow, I can I'm making jam. Whoa. And like tomato chips? What came up with that? I mean, this is, I'd have to credit my dear friend and, and, and collaborator. So we're working on a collaboration with, um, Magpie Alchemy, uh, owned by Jamie Cardenas, which is based in Sacramento. But she just does all this wonderful work um, in um, creating medicine for our community in the form of, you know, uh, skin products and um, kind of these hydrosol sprays, but just really kind of tapping into um, these ancestral knowledges around, uh, you know, that kind of can help support our healing. And so she was that the one who was like, you know, you could jam tomatoes. I was like, what? And so we started a batch and together we concocted this recipe that built on, I guess, somebody she was uh, paying attention to a Filipina, uh, a, a biracial black Filipina chef, I guess in San Diego makes tomato jam with like, you know, vanilla bean. And so Jamie and I were in the kitchen. And I was like, what if we add cardamom? And she's like, oh, yes. So we did. And so I've been experimenting with jam. And let me tell you, putting that jam on a grilled cheese sandwich, wow. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about food now. I mean, welcome to the new that podcast. Be the I'm going to tell you about all the funky, weird things I made. Like, I made some dope pickled radish and cucumber like what i don't know i can I, I that is i mean you know i i love <laughs> like just the process of cooking i have a friend who just came out with a, this amazing book called just kitchen and talks about the entire kind of spiritual grounding of the kitchen yeah. space and harvesting and cooking and prepping and all the I kind know, of things are they and, in a podcast i'll have to listen they will be, yes. By the time this one comes out, we'll have already been out. Um, so, yes. Okay. Just, uh, it's, again? It's, it's called Just Kitchen. Okay, okay. And uh, it's it's lovely. I, I just I just read I wish I had a copyright here somewhere. But, um, yeah, but I, I think there's, like, this reconnection. Like, I, whenever I make adobo, it's my grandfather's recipe. And, like, there's this connection. I have this dim sum recipe from my, from my Chinese side, my grandma. And, like, I have when I prep it, I have to make it the way that she yeah. made it and I dice the things the same way. And, and that, you know, and I pass on like my kids as they're starting to call me and be like, so how did you do this? I'm like, well, here's how I did it. But you know, like play with it. I mean, that whole food grounding yeah. process is just oh, so beautiful. Oh, I have a question for you. Uh, okay. Philippine American issue, Matt. Yes. Ad adobo, peppercorn or no peppercorn? Oh, peppercorn. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank what? you. What doesn't I, do I, Apparently, <laughs> there are some Filipinos who like that is not peppercorn is not. And I'm like, well, why? There's no right way to make that's it. That's right. Agreed. There like that's no, no authentic Filipino. There are lots. Exactly. Okay. Our, our adobo should look like us. In, in yes. But I, but there was like a serious no peppercorn like oh, throwdown, wow. and I was like, I'm, I I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I I'm on the peppercorn. <laughs> I think I've yeah. watched some I've watched some mute some reels and things of like white chefs or non-connected people like making adobo and and I'm like oh that's that doesn't go what are you doing why are you putting that no. but peppercorn I'm okay I had to clear that up thank you uh, thank one you. more one more vote for peppercorn 
So um, <laughs> I am yeah, keeping track. That, like the bougie, fancy, multicolored peppercorns. <laughs> Whoa. There we go. <laughs> Whoa, now. <laughs> Calm yeah. down over there. For <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, yeah. No, you're going to start putting like everything in the farm. That's what your new adobo is going to be like because whatever we got left, which would kind of yeah. be appropriate, right? Whatever is yeah. left is going in. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, so uh, I want to shift a little bit. It is Philippine American History Month. Uh, and, you know, I've talked before this about the, the being history and not heritage and all those. And we've had some amazing people mm-hmm. on. But uh, one of the things that I know my kids struggle with, I've struggled with, and a lot of Filipino Americans struggle with is the question about if you're Filipino enough. Right? You walk into a room and sometimes, you know, our community, we can, we can begin to build these uh, kind of structures of who is in or out and all those kind of things. Do you speak? What do you eat? Do you like well, all these markers and litmus tests? Um, and so I've, I've, when I, as I talk with Filipino young people, there's a lot of folks have this imposter syndrome when they go to Filipino things. Like I'm not enough to be here. So what, have, have, has that been a question people have asked you or how do you respond to a young person who's coming into some awareness and, you know, are wondering, am I, am I Filipino enough? How, how do you respond to something like that? Sure. Uh, that's definitely, uh, that's really hard. I think when that question gets posed to those of us who were born and raised outside of the Philippines, it's, it's, it's like an accusation. Uh, it hurts, right? Even, uh, you know, when you're feeling like um, people are making you feel outside of this thing that is so much a part of who you are when you already feel oftentimes like an outsider, you know, I mean, so one of the things I say is, well, first of all, the very term Filipino was always an invented term. Mm. I mean, let's remember right. that the Philippines um, is an archipelago. And really, peop- our peoples were incredibly diverse. You know, there are multiple languages in the Philippines where literally people in the north cannot speak to folks in right. the south. Um, and that's partly the beauty of it all is that what brought us together, what united us under this umbrella of Filipino was a common um, desire for, for freedom, for liberation from Western colonization. And that's the thing that brought us together. So, you know, that nobody, you know, I think that there, there can't be like the Filipino police. Mm-hmm. There are such so many diversities of, you know, types of Filipino um, that I think what matters most is where where are our affinities and affections? D- does the Philippines and that lineage and its history, including the history of diaspora, you know, animate how we think about ourselves? Um, and if that's if that's what we have, if that's if we can hold on to that, then we can claim Filipino, whatever language we may speak. You know, because right. yeah. You know, maybe somebody doesn't speak Tagalog, but you could talk to somebody who was born and raised in the Philippines, but they're still not speaking Tagalog. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so that's what I, I typically say. I think it's like, wait, you know, how are you feeling? What are your connections? What are your affinities? Um, and that's what matters most. Um, yeah. And yeah, and and I yeah. think we can't be policing people, and and especially in the diaspora. Like, it's I feel like you know. Um, it's already hard enough to feel like we're on the margins. We don't need to be marginalizing our, you know, um, each other even more. Right. Um, 
you know, and, and, and our experiences are shifting too, you know, in terms of like what it feels to be Filipino American as a distinctive experience of being Filipino, you yeah. know, and, and that's equally valid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and just, and equal is diverse, right? I mean, just that, that like, what would that, what does that even Oh, yeah, mean? you know, we talk about it. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. East Filipinos. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking with somebody, I was just interviewing somebody, and, and they said something <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, that's right. We like different Filipinos. Like, we're still both. But I was like, oh, you, oh, oh yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, and there's like the Bay Filipinos. Different from yep. the Stockton's because well, then there's like Stockton Filipinos. Like we're we're, I always feel like Stockton Filipinos are super smug. Sometimes we're like, oh well, we're Stockton Filipinos, so you know. Yeah, you know? I, I know. Don and I used to joke about that. You know, yeah. she was a Stockton Filipino, and I was yeah. a Union City Filipino, and you know, yes. <laughs> thing was a little bit different. You, with, with, what's your area code? Two oh nine. Two oh nine. Okay. Well, I still have. I still have. My Google phone number is still 209. Like yeah. I, that, it's like I've had this 209 number forever and yes. I refuse to give it up. I haven't lived yeah. in Stockton in 30 years, but that's, it doesn't that's, matter. It's the same with me. You know, I will claim Union City. Do you get to go back? Do you have family or friends there anymore? Do you get, do you yeah, visit well, there? You know, my parents are both buried not too far from. Okay you know, uh, where I grew up and I still have family there. And, you know, it's just, I love to go there just because, and yeah. I'm going there today actually, because um, it's the Filipino American Educators um, Association of California's conference. So, so I'm going to go home. It's going to be in Union City. And um, yeah, I love, I love it. You know, yeah. it's. Well, there's nothing like home, right? I mean, home. you go, home. I mean, we know there are problems everywhere and there's yeah. whatever, but you also, you get home and, you know, I, I, I go to Stockton now with my kids and they know like intellectually there's this deep rootedness they have to Stockton because of yes. their grandparents and all. But they're also like, well, yeah, but it's like there's nothing here. And I'm like, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually, you know what? Thanks to, you know, Don Mavalon and Dylan Delvo and Little Manila Rising, you know, stuff is changing. Stop. Oh, yeah. Stockton. Yeah. I would move back. Oh, yeah. I don't know. No, in, in a heartbeat, but I would move back if the opportunity, but I'm not sure my wife is we're, we're in San Jose now, which is a little, it's like, it's a little like Stockton. It feels like, but yeah. in any case, this is now not a natural geography podcast. I so, know, but um, you know, it's actually super interesting anyway. Like I, you could yeah. do an episode just about, you know, like oh, what, yeah. how we attribute meaning to, to places like that. Like there's oh, a yeah. Filipino, there's a city, San Francisco, Filipino. Oh, we know, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like, we that, are. That's that is that is really funny. Like to have, like find somebody from each one to get on and be like, okay, let's just talk about what are the. Oh yeah, that could be a whole other. There, well, there's your idea because I'm sure you need more to do is to go ahead and start your podcast up. Because uh, I know that was one of the things you wanted to I try know. to do. It's just like, oh, that's the other thing. Speaking of farming, what did I learn? You gotta just, it's you gotta be there, you know. And so I've had. not I, I just didn't have much time for anything else, you know, yeah. like every single well, thing, things will die, right? Things will die. If you don't they'll die you know. and you're having to kind of, you know, kind of weigh between precipitation. If there's any, you know, like the, the sun, the heat temperature, you know, and just, there's so many things to kind of think of and just the labor, you know, because we're doing this no-till method, which is 
really kind of the most, you know, kind of gentle approach to the land. Uh, it means you have to plant things. So we're literally not hacking into the soil. That's a whole other conversation. But basically, kind of, we are, um, we draw from techniques that are meant to be regenerative to the soil and not extract mm. it from it. And so it's just work. It's a lot of work. We're not using chemicals. You know, trying to like use minimal, you know, machinery is like a lot of just physical labor. So, you know, I needed to do that. I needed to be super present with that. But yeah, I do want a podcast for sure because, you know, social media, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. I like the longer form of podcasting. You know, this is fun. Look, it's been 30 minutes. We had so much fun. (laughs) When social media right now is just changing so much. I mean, it's. It's it's one of those. There's some parts that I love and I connect with my family. I mean, I, that's the only way I know what my younger nieces and nephews are doing. I mean, that's true. Uh, but there's also this part about as like ah, it's also part of this industrial complex of getting stuff out so that you know that go gigging world and like you got to get paid. Like I today, I'm like if I don't send the invoices, I probably am not going to get paid because they're not going to be like oh we'll just go ahead and make sure we compensate. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast, but let's shift. Um, So what's bringing you joy? What's moved you lately? What you like, whether you're reading, watching, uh, listening to anything, what are the things kind of that you've, that have moved you lately? Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that, um, gosh, I feel like I've been doing a lot of reading just because that's the kind of person I am. I'm constantly moving and shifting. Let me tell you, the thing um, that really inspired me lately was reading Jen Soriano's uh, Nervous, which is sort of a a memoir and meditation on mental health and healing in the Filipino community. Beautiful, sometimes hard, but definitely, I think, very inspiring um, text for me. Um, What's recently given me joy, actually, is I've rediscovered my, my... my love for writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that over the last few years, I had started to develop a relationship or, or just a kind of writing wasn't giving me joy. I felt like because I had to write in a way that conformed to certain demands of academia, which I could do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there was a certain joy I, that, you know, that I, I, that I could feel in that mode of writing as well. But it stopped giving me joy. And, and so writing as a practice altogether was, was really just, I was kind of averse to it, but I've started writing again. And I feel like I'm starting to find my own voice again and, and lean into that in a way that I um, wasn't, you know, like you, to be an expert was to, to not have your own voice. You kind of have to rest on all this data and kind of previous bodies of, you know, knowledge, but, that that's definitely given me joy. So I mean, one of so you know, apart from reading uh, Jen Soriano's nervous, um, I've been reading like a hodgepodge of things. So you know, I really feel like I haven't been responsible as somebody who has always said that they were in solidarity with Native peoples, but I don't know that I, I, my practice was actually aligned yes. in that way. So part of what I've been doing is a lot of self study on Native Americans' histories from the most local ones to where I live um, and more broadly in California. And so that's been really important to me. 
Um, you know, I continue to be on a healing journey. Um, you know, October 24th is going to be my mom's one year death anniversary. And, you know, I've lost both my parents now. And um, that's really, you know, in addition to my older son. So, you know, I'm, I'm in a process still of healing uh, from that. I think it's deep when your parents go, um, when that one connection, really that intimate connection to the Philippines now is severed. I think mm -hmm. I'm dealing with that kind of grief too. So I, I do read a lot of different kinds of um, wellness texts from, you know, um, different perspectives and, you know, um, spiritual and kind of, you know, healing kinds of, you know, texts. So, yeah, you know, so my, my, my nightstand is full of a whole bunch of books <laughs> that I go through, but that's okay, you know. Yeah. Um, what am I watching? Okay, I just, I don't know. I really, really loved Ted Lasso. It was kind of funny. <laughs> I know, I know. To shrinking? I don't know. Not that I, I, I know. Uh, it's, it's so funny. I'm, They're our, family are, our family are huge <laughs> soccer people. Like, we just spent the World Cup, the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand um, and, and got to watch the Philippines team win their first World Cup game ever. It was amazing. Um. But we we've never seen Ted Lasso because oh my God. we so the reason is there's no um, there's no grand like ethical dilemma for us. <laughs> I don't it, it's the fact I'm... that yeah no it, it's the fact that we're like my wife and I have both like we have reached the point where we are not going to pay for one more streaming service. I know we, it's like we already pay for too many, and it's not as if we can't. We just like it feels like. One more, we're, I was wrong. We're, we're not going to, and then there's, so there's no principle. It's just like, we just, we have been sucked in. And so, but everybody's like, you, you haven't watched Ted Lasso because we, we're such soccer people. And I'm like, I know, but I'm not going to do it. So I'm, <laughs> I know. It's so cute though. Like, I, yeah, do, I've heard it's good. Yeah. Yeah. We, so that, uh, it was fun and light because I kind of needed fun, fun. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think that part of it is, you know, I, I was just talking to somebody and we, veered off into star trek and star wars like this peace activist oh. all that stuff and and we veered off into this kind of space and i don't know wait, if the episode's going to be out or not this for me <laughs> is that wait is that again <laughs> the new yeah. spin-off of star wars yeah I'm, yeah ahsoka I'm is 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 good yeah so we're so it's I, but i think there's something about that complexity and fullness of our humanity if those are who are in the work because i think people and even to ourselves, like, well, if we're having fun, we're not like, there's this martyrdom, you, everything, you sacrifice everything. I'm like, well, no, even our grandparents, you sacrifice so much, like, we're still partying. Like, there was like this holding balance and yeah. harmony. Well, gosh, we could have a whole conversation on that. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you though. Like, it's as if, you know, to be like an activist, um, a social justice organizer, I think there may be a way those of us who identify in those ways. And, you know, even if we don't, the assumption is the people who identify that way are just sort of a joyless people. Yeah. Because, you know, what, what is there to be joyful about? Right. Um, and there's an argument to be made about that. We're facing all sorts of crises sure. um, and, and, you know, turn on the news, you know, put on a social media feed, you know, it is going to kind of be filled with lots of horrible, um, you know, violence, um, state violence, violence, you know, perpetrated by individuals, 
You know, I mean, it's it's it, climate crisis. Yep. I get that. And it's true. I'm, those are very real. That is our reality. And I think, and that's kind of why I think I've shifted in the way I have. What is going to sustain us mm-hmm. in doing the work to transform that? We need to have this a space where we are experiencing joy, mm-hmm. even resting. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, one of the big books that I read was Trisha Hersey's Rest is Resistance. Mm-hmm. And this notion that, you know, um, where, when do we, you know, start to imagine? Where, where do the visions for something different and better come? When we're daydreaming, which often comes when our mind is turned off and at rest. Or when we're sleeping, when we dream of our ancestors, where they visit us, where we can you know, different visions of different ways of, of, of different possibilities kind of um, come to us. So, yeah, I think I've really shifted from, because I probably was one of those, like, well, I'm not going to watch that, you know, like there's shit to be watched. Like, yeah. I got to watch that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I got to read this. I got to watch. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I don't know anymore. Like, I, I'm not, I don't do that. You know, honestly, I barely watch the news now because yeah. I'm just like, why? Because mm-hmm. I already know. Right, exactly. Exactly. It's going to be a different name, a different face, a different place. But we know what structures organize the society. We know what the work what work needs to be done. So let's start building. And I think that's where I'm at now. I want to build. I want to dream. I want to see, even if it's in this tiny little place of reimagination farm, you know, where we're trying to like enact and manifest and make real like something different. I want to, you know, can I just share that? And if there's a ripple effect, because I believe in it, you know, I think there will be a ripple effect. There is a ripple effect. And maybe transformation will happen in different kinds of ways. And yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's, I mean, I think, yeah. No, I, that, no, I, I mean, I think that's exactly. If I, if I, when I run into young folks, who are just like all about, and I get it, and I've been there, and I'm like, well, tell me where, where, where is the joy? I ask them, well, like, where? Because if you're not finding those spaces, like, what are you working towards? Like, are you like, what are you trying to help create together? If you yeah, don't yeah. can name those places where you know it, and the the science fiction conversation I had just we just had with somebody, we we're like, why do we like science fiction? Yes. Star Trek in particular, right? It creates yeah. these worlds, like, yeah. oh. That's like it has, still has all the crappiness, but yeah. here's here's a vision of what could be, and uh, That's right. in the midst of everything else. Anyway, all right. So I um I, we gotta end up uh, and <laughs> they'd be like, oh, they talk for like four hours. I'm not gonna listen to a four hour podcast. I know, I know. Uh, but how how do what's the best way for people to connect with you? Find out what you're doing. Stay updated. Sure. All that kind of stuff. How can people sure. get? Sure. Well, you know, okay, try. You could try, and try. I don't do my best. <laughs> but, but you're going to be out farming. Just to be clear, you're going to be mean, out. I love you. Uh, some of you go look at uh, your your Instagram. There's something like uh, a number of posts and six posts in nine months. And I'm like, well, because she's out farming. I get so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that was <laughs> and, and I was tending to me, too, you know? So I yeah. had to do that. Thank yeah. you for that. But yeah, I mean, so. I am on Instagram. It's uh, Mad Pro- at Mad Professora um, for me myself, and I'm trying to figure out what that account does. But I have all these other kinds of things I'm also doing. So the the big part of our life, of course, is uh, Reimagination Farm. So on Instagram, it's Reimagination Farm. 
Uh, but those are probably the two main, and they can kind of point folks to other places, including the Amanokai Initiative, also primarily on Instagram. Haven't delved into TikTok yet. Definitely try to keep our websites relatively um, updated. But, you know, and, and, and again, and also trying to figure out kind of YouTubing and podcasting. But yeah, this has been the season of having to be present with the land and but, you know, now that uh, we're, we're coming to, um, you know, fall is harvest season. So it's getting colder. Winter's coming. So I think that, you know, and now that I kind of have a sense of what the rhythm feels like, I feel like I'm going to be able to to put more energy into all that other stuff. Right. right. And then, you know, it's, then once um, the tail end of winter comes, you know, even in winter, we're going to start. Are you, um, you going to be, is it, does it snow where you are? It can. Yeah. On occasion which is cool. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. But it's so, not, you're not like, you don't have to like, you're not going to definitely have snow every year. Cause that would cancel me <laughs> out. I'm, I am not a snow person at all. No, 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 like, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, it snowed a lot this recent winter, but it was kind of unprecedented. Um, so at most, you know, we might get like a light dusting a couple of days. I think, you know, again, this last winter was a little unprecedented. So, you know, but then again, who knows, right? I mean, everything's yeah. shifting everywhere um you know so i think that that's where the relationship with the land comes in where you just kind of have to pay attention because i don't know that you know meteorologists or anyone can fully predict what's going to unfold day to day until really really dramatic shifts happen in terms of you know what we're doing um you know with respect to the earth great thank you well we've covered uh many (laughs) many things i love it i love it i love it I'm so like, I think I think I'm gonna see like I think we may have covered ten topics or something. This is oh, awesome. You know, that's, that's awesome. gonna be awesome. Well, thank thank you for being on again, and I will see you next year. Yes, okay. please. Yes, please. Thank you All so right, much. those of you that are listening, thank you so much for listening to BRC and Friends again. Uh, go to all the places where you podcast or you get your podcast rate, reviews, all the things you're supposed to do. Uh, please go ahead and do that. And again, uh, thank you for being here. We'll see you next week on BRC and Friends. BRC and Friends was hosted and produced by Bruce Reyes Chow. Co-hosts were Jorge Bautista, Mickey Scott Bay Jones, Amy Kim Karemis Parks, and Laura Monaco Heifetz. And the theme music was composed and recorded by Marissa Magdal Laron. Feel free to connect with any of us via the show notes. And lastly, please don't make me beg. Take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to BRC and Friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Until the next episode, thanks for listening to BRC and Friends.